this week you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump, or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an eight 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 money pit. The money pit is presented by the Angie app. Craig Tool Company, and Bank of America. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Happy Labor Day weekend. It is about Labor Day. I say about because the show airs different times in different markets, but for us, we're a smack dab in the middle of our Labor Day weekend and just enjoying a work-free day around the Money Pit because there's always a project to do at our money pit, just like there is to do, we're sure, at yours as well. But if you are doing a project, maybe not taking a day off, or maybe planning a project, and maybe you're stuck, don't know where to begin, don't know if you can do it yourself, don't know if you could do it with the help of a YouTube video, like so many of us do today, or maybe you are ready to hire a pro and you need some assistance, reach out to us. A couple of ways to do that. You can call us 24-7 at one 888 Pit. 888-666-3974, or you can post your questions to moneypit.com. Well, fall's approaching, and you might be wondering if replacing old or drafty windows is a smart move. In today's Smart Spending Tip, we're going to walk you through seven key questions to ask yourself to determine if this project is right for you right now. And painting is one DIY project that probably seems the most simple to do, but that's exactly why it's even more frustrating than ever when a seemingly simple project like painting comes out badly. We're going to share pro painting tips to help you out in just a bit. And as we head into the pandemic season two, it looks like many Americans will continue to work from home, which will continue to fuel a resurgence in the need for home office space. And if you're ready to set up a new, more organized space in your work life, we're going to share tips on furniture and organizers that you can build yourself in today's DIY project highlight presented by Craig Tool. But first, whether you're doing or dreaming, we can help you make your home everything that you want it to be. So give us a call so we can help you get started or help you get finished. Take a look around your house. We are ready to help you get those projects done. The number again is one 888 Heading over to Florida, we've got Beverly on the line who's got a question about siding. What's going on? Are you installing it yourself? It's just a, a, a shed, and it's 10 by 10, and I've had some siding that I got, some vinyl siding, and I wanted to put it on the shed, and I figured the shed's only 8 feet high, so I'd be able to, you know, put it on myself. Okay. But uh, I heard conflicting opinions about whether I should use screws or nails. Oh, okay. So, you know, one one hardware store guy goes, use screws. Another one says, use nails. And uh, it, it's going on um, um, Oriental strand board. And then I put uh, <laughs> okay. tar paper. Yeah. So it's not it's not a tough question. It's not even a, it's not even a close question. You're going to use nails. And not only are you going to use nails, you're going to use nails and you're not going to drive them home. You're not going to drive them to where they're solidly banging that siding into the Orient strand board. Final siding has some uh, has some peculiarities to its installation method. So you know of course you start low, right? And the pieces interlock. Now if you'll notice vinyl siding doesn't have nail holes, it has nail slots. And that's for a really important reason. The vinyl has a really big expansion ratio. So if you put the vinyl siding on too tight where it can't slide, 
it's going to buckle and it looks terrible. You can always see a bad siding job on the south side of the house when the sun hits it and it buckles. And that's because the siding was nailed on too solidly. So you're going to use uh, like a flathead nail, like a roofing nail would be fine or something like that. And you want to just put it in the center of the slot and you don't want to make it tight. You want to leave enough space. When you're done, you should be able to grab that piece of siding and slide back and forth in the slot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if it slides back and forth, that's perfect. That's exactly what you want. It's not going to fall off. It's not going to blow away. But because you've put it on loosely that way, it'll be able to expand and contract and not buckle. Okay? Well, I'm glad you told me because the first I put the screw in and I put it in tight. Yeah, that's natural. That's what we are sort of, uh, you know, destined to do is to really always make stuff really strong and tight. But when it comes to siding and then vinyl siding, it's just not done that way. And that's why. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Now we've got a call from Abe in New Hampshire, who's dealing with some sort of septic smell in the house. What's going on? How you doing? Uh, I listen to your program all the time, by the way. It's very interesting. Thanks. Glad to hear that. We put in a uh, brand new engineered uh, septic system about 10 years ago, and I noticed from the very beginning, uh, the downstairs uh, uh, toilets flushed very well, and uh, upstairs where I am flushes well, but it burps. Okay. And when I, when I push the handle, it starts going down, and it's it kind of like a small burp at, at the throat, it, and it, it, like, it like pushes up like a, like a little bubble or something like that, and, the, and then it goes down. Every single time... So what's going on is you don't have enough venting for that particular toilet. And so when you flush it and the water is drawn down, there's no makeup air uh, replacing it. It's like gasping for air. So it's essentially gasping, right. You know the the, the vents of those pipes that come up through the roof of homes? Correct. For some reason, this particular toilet... Um, is not vented correctly. It's not getting the air or the vent is obstructed. I've seen these vents capped off when they're put in because the plumbers like to test the systems and never pull the caps off again. So there could be a whole host of reasons why you're not getting air, but it's really a simple fix. You need to figure out where the vent's obstructed or if the vent doesn't exist or it doesn't, it doesn't properly, it wasn't properly installed. You know, that's really the issue. If you can get more air into that vent, you'll be good to go. Okay. Yeah. So we can, yeah. So, I mean, it's very accessible. Uh, it's an easy part of the roof. Um, um, I was hoping it wouldn't be something like that or plugged up or whatever. And also, by the way, occasionally you get a slight, very slight septic order coming up when it does that, too. I mean, I guess that's possible because you're it, because it's not vented. It's just, you know, right. holding more of that water in the pipes than it really should. Yeah. And the vents are designed to let that septic odor go. So th- that makes sense, actually. All right. Well, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Good luck with that project. And thanks again for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Now we've got Anna in South Dakota on the line with a question about ants. What is going on? Took down a huge, huge tree. And the contractor that took it down said, good thing you took it down because in two years it probably would have fell. Okay. Because it's all hollow, and he said it had a huge carpenter ant nest in it. Yep. So my house is 10 feet away. Do I need to worry about that? No. Carpenter ants are Mother Nature's way of getting rid of dead wood. Sure, they could infest your house, but they're not necessarily going to be motivated to go there over anything else that's lying about. Um, you'll find ant nests like that, you know, once in a while, and they'll usually just go down on the ground. They'll go off to another location, but they're not like, hey, let's go over to Anna's house because I think <laughs> I heard it's tasty. No, they're, they're, they're not necessarily going to go in your house. I mean, that's sad. You know, you ought to keep your eye out for all sorts of pests, carpenter ants and termites in particular, but um, you're not at, at any increased risk of, of, uh, of finding ants. I'll tell you, I'll t- I had a surprise myself with ants a, a couple of weeks back. I have a bay window. It's filled with plants. And I was doing some cleaning, and I had noticed we were getting some persistent ants in this area. And I figured they were coming in from the outside, you know, being the knowledgeable home improvement expert that I am. Well, 
Imagine my surprise when I lifted up a big clay pot that had a had a, a flowering uh, plant in it and found that the ant, the ant infestation was in fact in the plant. So we were we were helping this ant infestation uh, survive by dutifully watering our plant. And once I got the plant outside, uh, those ants had to find a new place to live. We haven't seen a single one since. So you know they're not necessarily looking to go to your house. I think that you're going to be fine. Okay. That was my only concern. The house is, you know, from, was built in 1908, and it's like, it's, you know. Yep. Man, it's going to be fine for another 100 years. You don't worry about that, okay? Okay, thank you. <laughs> Good luck. Stuart in Louisiana's on the line and has a question about light bulbs. What can we do for you? I was curious about um, choosing uh, the correct kind of light bulb uh, over fluorescent versus LED, and what wattage of uh, whichever one I choose. So... Compact fluorescent technology is pretty much fading now, pardon the pun, and I think what you really want to look at is some of the many choices in LEDs. In terms of wattage, you know, it's not really measured in wattage anymore. It's measured in lumens, but generally speaking, if you do see a wattage indicator on the bulb, it's going to be um, about 25% of what you're used to getting in terms of light output. So, for example... Um, a bulb that would deliver the equivalent of around 100 watts of light that you might be used to with an incandescent bulb is only going to use about 20, 25 watts or less of electricity, only because it's that much more efficient. What a lot of folks don't recognize is that wattage is a measure of power. It's not a measure of light. Light's measured by lumens. Uh, but we're just so accustomed over the years to choosing um, the wattage when it comes to bulb and, and understanding how much light that delivers. But if you're trying to figure out about like what the conversion rate is, it's about 25%. It uses about uh, 25% of the power to deliver uh, the same light that you would have gotten out of, uh, out of say, the 100-watt incandescent bulb in my example. Does that make sense? It does indeed. So what lumen range would I be like, basically looking for if I wanted to have the same amount of wattage, uh, I'm sorry, same amount of light as a 100-watt light bulb? Good question. A 100-watt incandescent bulb is going to deliver about 1,600 lumens. So... Not that easy to do the math. It's not really convenient, but that's that's what it is. 100-watt bulb delivers about 1,600 lumens. 75-watt bulb would deliver around, say, 1,000 to 1,100 lumens. So that's the range that you're looking for. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your assistance. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, fall is approaching, and you might be wondering if replacing older drafty windows is a wise move. Taking advantage of advances in window technology can potentially reduce your heating and cooling bills as well as increase your home's comfort. To help, we put together seven key questions that can help you decide if it's time to take on this project at your house. In today's smart spending tip presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Now, first, ask yourself this. Are your heating and cooling bills getting bigger every year? You know, windows and doors are one of the largest sources of energy leaks, And one way you can test this is with a blower door test. It's done by an energy auditor, and it can pinpoint exactly how leaky your windows actually are. You should first ask your utility company if they offer the service, because many of them do. Next, let's talk about how old those windows are, because every product in your home has a lifespan. And for windows, it's around the 15-year mark. Because at around 20, it is really time to seriously determine if your windows are still doing what they're supposed to do, because things wear out. Now, you also have to think about, are your old wooden frames so swollen that the windows just won't open? Now, windows that stick or those that are so loose that they don't stay up, those really are a big detraction from home value and, of course, a source of drafts. 
Another thing to look at is how many panes of glass do your windows have? Now, single-paned windows are the least energy efficient, and they can actually cause your energy bills to soar, so you want to replace those inefficient windows with double or even highly efficient triple-paned Energy Star qualified windows, and that's going to enhance your energy savings and make your home a lot more comfortable during all seasons. Now, speaking of the panes of glass, do you see condensation that appear either inside the window or in between the double or triple pane windows? Because if you're seeing that, you have failed seals. And if that's the case, you might need to replace the glass or the entire window. But frankly, replacing the glass in an older window is simply not worth it. It's almost as expensive as doing the entire window. Next, let's talk about how easily the windows open and close. If they're hard to open or close or they're not going to stay open or stay locked, so many times the windows, you open them and they fall right down, definitely a sign that the windows are ready for replacement. Now, do you also notice that maybe your house is especially noisy? Well, if you live near an airport or even a busy street, you might want to consider replacing your windows with laminated glass or double-paned windows, and that's going to help reduce noise transmission into your home. And that's today's Smart Spending Tip, presented by the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards Credit Card. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Now I've got Nancy in Arkansas on the line with a painting question. How can we help you? On behalf of my mom, and she has an older home, and there, she has like a lot of like, she has a popcorn ceiling, and she has a lot of like cobwebs and stuff. And I'm just wondering like, what would be the best way of removing those to eliminate as much, you know, debris falling in the carpet and that sort of thing, and but you know, to give it a fresh look. Well, I think with the popcorn ceiling, you know, number one, you're fighting the texture, so everything kind of wants to get stuck up there. So first off, is I would start with one of those like Swiffers that look like a feather duster, just to get all of that dust and that the cobwebs down, so that you've got a clean surface. And if that looks okay, then you might want to stop there. You can't really clean a popcorn ceiling because the way you remove a popcorn ceiling is to spray it with water and then you scrape it off. So if you try to clean it with any sort of cleanser or moisture, you're going to start to disintegrate the popcorn and make that come off if it's truly a popcorn ceiling and not like a textured stucco or something like that. So I think once you get the spider webs and things off of it, you might be better off just painting it and giving it a fresh coat to just, you know, sort of freshen up the ceiling space a little bit. But if you do decide to paint the popcorn ceiling, you have to get a very specialized roller. It looks like a um, it's a foam roller that has like a spiral cut to it. And that will open up to sort of accommodate the popcorn ceiling texture. If you use a regular roller, it's going to paint it and then pull the texture off. So you have to be careful in your application. But that'll do a great job of freshening it up. Okay. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Bob the flooring problem. What's going on at your house? Uh, we was out of town overnight, and our uh, house flooded inside from a broken pipe. So the company come in and tore out all my flooring and subflooring. And when they come back in, the contractors, I bought thick together tiles that are like Pergo. Anyway, when they put them together or put them in, did not lock them together. They laid them on the floor and knocked them together and broke all my locks. Now they're coming apart. Oh, you see, a lot of those, a lot of those laminate floor tiles, um, they're not designed to be glued together. They're sort of a locking joint. Now, if they did not install them correctly, if they tried to bang them together instead of, so you have to sort of like rotate them to click together. Then there's going to be nothing you can do about that. They've essentially damaged the floor. Okay, my my question is, they're going to replace it. 
but should I have them tear out this old flooring and uh, put the new one in or just put this over them? Yeah, definitely get rid of the old stuff because it's it's not going to be secured. There could be movement under that. Now, I would go back to the way it was, uh, get rid of that old flooring and start again from scratch. Good luck with that project. All right, now we're going to tackle a question about roofing shingles. Brian, how can we help you? Well, we're building a new house, and we have the spray foam insulation where the house is encapsulated. Yep. And I had a friend that told me in their house on the north side in the wintertime that the shingles will buckle. So I, I, I didn't know anything about that and didn't know how to find out. So are you true. are you um, why are you asking? Are you if you have an existing house with a roof? Are you thinking about changing the roof? Well, we're not thinking about changing, but we're in the middle of building. We're not in the house. Oh, you're in the middle building. If oh, okay, a good. Problem with it? I then would want the yeah. builder to correct it. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think there's any problem with it whatsoever. I mean, I think you made their best choice. Uh, I personally have a spray foam underside of my roof sheathing, and I and I got to tell you, it's definitely the most efficient way to go. We've seen dramatic decreases in in our energy costs since we went that way. So I think you're making a really good choice. I've never heard of it having any kind of negative effect on uh, the roofing shingles whatsoever. Well, I. I appreciate it because my friend told me the shingles had to be rated for that, but I couldn't find any information. Yeah, I don't that. think so. No, I really, I don't, I don't think that's right. Okay, all right, thank you. You're welcome, Brian. Good luck with that project. Well, painting is one DIY project that probably seems the simplest to do. I mean, how much harder can it be than dipping a brush in a can and then slapping some paint on the wall? Yeah, and that's exactly why it's even more frustrating than ever when a seemingly simple project like painting comes out bad. And that can happen if you start with the wrong brush. Now, the Average Home Improvement Center provides a lot of options for brushes. So how do you know which brush, Tom, is the right brush for you? Well, I mean, it all comes down to choosing the right bristles, and that depends on the type of paint or the type of stain or finish you're applying. So, for example, natural bristle brushes or china bristles are designed for oil-based paints. They give you a very even finish. They're sturdy enough to clean multiple times using paint thinner or turpentine. But you can't use natural bristles, though, for latex paints because they tend to soak up the water, and then they lose their springiness and they don't perform that well. So for those types of finishes, you need to use synthetic bristles. They're always the best choice. Now, what about the quality of the brush? I mean, there's such a wide range, so is a better, more expensive brush, does that really make a big difference? Yeah, you see the same size brush, and it starts at like a foam pad, you know, and then goes up to like a $25 brush. But I got to tell you, when it comes to those brushes, you definitely get what you pay for because the better brushes have more bristles. The bristles are of differing lengths. The bristles have split ends, which lets them hold more paint. And the lower quality brushes leave ridges in the paint as well as thin spots. So it doesn't give you a really even spot. I went to a brush factory once and it was fantastic to see how, I think this was the Purdy brush factory, how they're made. They actually have people that trim the ends of these to make a perfect tip to the end of those brushes. So I was so impressed that I've been using those Purdy brushes ever since. They really are fantastic. But when it comes to painting, you know, a lot of it's the work, but then a lot of it's the cleanup. So do you have any tips to help keep those brushes clean after the project so you can actually use them again? Yeah, never my favorite part of the project, but definitely worth the time it takes to do it right. So for both types of brushes, you definitely want to squeeze out as much of the paint or finish out of the brush as possible. I use paper towels for that. Try to really soak out all that extra paint because everything you get out with the paper towel, you don't have to get out with the paint thinner or the water or the turpentine, depending on what kind of paint you're using. And then for latex brushes, you want to rinse them out with warm, soapy water and then hang them up to dry so the bristles are pointing down, and this way the water doesn't soak back in towards the handle. And for oil finishes, 
need to dip them into paint thinner and leave them in there for a few minutes. Now, personally, I will leave them in there overnight sometimes because they're really, really gummed up and maybe I've been painting for a good number of hours. Uh, but once you take them out, you again wash them with hot soapy water. Now, one trick of the trade that I have, which has served me very well, is I will also keep a can of simple green, like a little, you know, tin can full of simple green, 100%, not, not uh, thinned out, uh, in the sink with me. And I'll soak the brushes in that overnight, even when I'm done cleaning them, because I find that it breaks down and takes out anything that possibly remains. And they're nice and soft and easy to work with after that. Just rinse them out and dry them and you're good to go. Laura in Connecticut's on the line and wants to rearrange the kitchen. How can we help you? It's an old house. The house is 100 plus. And right underneath, right underneath the kitchen floor, there is a portion of the floor that doesn't have a beam under it. We would like to put an appliance there. We would like to place an appliance there. So we just need something that would just support support it gently, just in case too much weight. So, I mean, generally speaking, floor structures are designed to hold a refrigerator. They're not that heavy. If you wanted to beef up the structure of that area, your kitchen already has existing floor joists, so the girder will go perpendicular to those. It's not a true girder in the sense that it wouldn't be uh, supported with its own foundation, but what sometimes many folks will do is they'll put um, a girder-like beam underneath those floor joists on some lolly columns, maybe supported by a very small foundation that might be a one-foot-by-one-foot square pour of concrete, um, so that you can kind of take the bounce out of the middle of those beams. Sometimes if you have long beams in a house or long floor joists in a house, you'll get kind of a bounce when you walk across the floor, and that can make it feel weak, even though maybe it's not, but it just has more flex in it than you're accustomed to. So putting in the additional beam perpendicular to the floor joists um, can eliminate that. It's not going to hold up more than that beam, so it doesn't need to be substantially supported. But I think still that you could do a, a carpenter could do a good clean job and and give you that additional support that's going to make you feel comfortable. Does that make sense? Oh, yes, it does. Okay, now I, if there is a dirt floor, would it be wise to put down a uh, cement foundation? So you wouldn't you would support it by columns, and the, and the bottom of the column would be supported by. Uh, concrete, not necessarily a complete floor, but what generally you'll do is dig out maybe a one foot by one foot square hole, fill that up with concrete and have the column sit right on top of that. Again, it's not the same kind of foundation that you would use to put a beam up that was holding up the entire house, but what you're really doing here is just sort of taking the bounce out of that floor and giving it a little bit of additional support. Laura, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, as we head into pandemic season two, at least it seems that way at this point, it looks like many Americans are going to continue to work from home, and that's going to continue to fuel a resurgence in the need for home office space. Now, if you're ready to set up a new, more organized, super functional space in your house, we scoped out a few projects you can build yourself that will help in today's DIY project highlight presented by Craig Tool. Yeah, first of all, here's a few pointers on choosing the best space. Now, creating a home office design setting that's both functional and personable will serve to boost your productivity and help save your sanity. You know, because is it work from home or is it I live at work? I mean, everything is sort of mixed up together and the pandemic really forced people how to learn how to prioritize. Is it family first? Is it work first? I mean, now it's all right in front of you and you've got to deal with everything kind of at the same time. So with this in mind, you really can create a home office in a space as small as, say, a converted closet or even as large as a spare room if you've got one. 
But regardless, you've got to be sure to plan for lighting, good ventilation, and now, of course, the ever-important Zoom background. You know, for example, when you're on a Zoom call, if you've got a bright window right behind you, that's going to make you look darker and gloomy on screen. But at the same time, you don't want a space where your kids or other family members are just going to kind of be wandered around through your calls. Yep. Now, let's talk about getting organized. You know, due to the supply chain problems that are driven by the pandemic, it's been really hard to find new office furniture. But there actually is a lot you can build yourself. Now, Craig Tool has been great at creating a wide range of project plans. I really love these plans. They're so detailed, and they walk you through every project step by step. And they're also rated for every level of DIYer, from easy to moderate to advanced. So here's a couple of examples from each area. Let's start with those easy plans, Les. Yeah, now the easy plans, they're going to include a folding desk that's super simple to build and can easily be stored when your office is closed for the day. Now, there's also a DIY command center, which is basically a wall organizer that can help you keep all of your projects on track. In the moderate category, there's a number of desk designs that include storage, including one called a modern industrial desk. Now, it blends the best of modern design with elements of industrial style, and it's going to pack a ton of customizable storage into one very stylish workspace. And for you advanced DIYers, there's a really beautiful design for a plywood and concrete writer's desk. So it'd be great for writing, for holding a computer, for sketching. The structure is actually made entirely of plywood. And the Craig pocket hole joinery makes it easy to put together, so it's definitely solid. And for bigger office spaces, there's also a full plan for a rustic multi-purpose work table that can double as an extra dining table for family gatherings or maybe even homework space. Now, check this out. It features 22 drawers, four open shelves with plenty of storage and options for lots of use. So don't wait any longer to create the best home office space for your home. Get building now for projects that can set you up for total success. And that's today's DIY project highlight presented by the Craig Pockethole Jig 520 Pro. It makes it easy for anyone to join wood using a strong pockethole joint for all kinds of projects and a variety of materials. Available nationwide at Home Depot, Lowe's, and other home centers, woodworking, and hardware stores. Learn more at craigtool.com. That's K-R-E-G tool.com. Eric has a problem with smoke damage in his money pit. Tell us what's going on. Yes, I, I recently bought a foreclosure that's got some smoke and fire damage. And I was curious, is there a product or a special way that the walls need to be treated, uh, some kind of special primer to, to, to cover up the, the smoke damage to get rid of the smell, or do I have to gut the whole thing? You know, one of the best primers for this particular purpose is made by Zinzer, and it's called BIN, B-I-N. And essentially, it's a synthetic shellac. And what it does is completely seal in the odor that's kind of soaked into that wall. So if you do a really good job applying this type of a primer, I think that the odor will go away and you'll have a terrific um, base upon which to apply your sort of top coat of color. Okay, a Zinzer, is that what it's called? The Zinzer is a manufacturer. The product is called BIN, B-I-N. Okay, well, thank you very much. You can call us at 888-MONEYPIT or post your questions at moneypit.com. Let's jump into some of those right now, starting with our friend Jim. All right. Jim wants to know, does insulation in the attic need to be replaced if it's been wet? He says we had a leak that was fixed, but the insulation got wet or damp throughout. So, Jim, insulation actually 
gets damp as a matter, as sort of a matter of course, because that's why we have ventilated attics, right? You have high humidity that dampens insulation, and then the ventilation helps to dry out that humidity. Now, if the leak got just say one area wet and it dried out right away, it's no big deal. If you had some major issue like wind and rain tore off roof shingles and the whole thing got soaked, and in that case, obviously, I would replace it all. But the fact that it got damp or got wet and then dried out is not in and of itself a reason to replace it. At the same time, though, keep in mind that most homes in this country don't have enough insulation. So if you're going to do that project or if you're going to add more, let's try to get enough to keep you comfortable and keep those energy bills down all year long. So an average amount of insulation, if we're talking about fiberglass, that might be nice and energy efficient, would probably be in that sort of 15, 16, 17-inch range. You know, a good foot plus is what you're looking for, and that is going to make a big difference uh, to your comfort and to your energy savings. All right, now we've got Suzanne who writes, she says, my kitchen has a Formica countertop and backsplash, but it needs an update. I'm not at all that interested in covering these surfaces with tile, but I wondered if it's possible to paint them. I listen to your program on Sundays on WRKO in Boston, and I always appreciate your tips. Well, we appreciate you, Suzanne. So painting countertop, not such a great idea. There are some countertop paints out there, and they look good when they're done, but I found they're not too durable. The single exception is actually not a paint. It's a, it's a stone coating. And it's called Spread Stone, and it comes in a countertop refinishing kit. It's made by the Deich Corporation, D-A-I-C-H. They make a coating that actually is real stone and takes that laminate and turns it into a solid stone surface. It's an amazing technology and as durable as heck. So I would definitely be comfortable with you doing a countertop refinishing kit with the Deich product, the Spread Stone, but not painting. Painting is not going to look good at all. It's going to scratch and peel off, and it'll just look worse. All right. Now, Deanna says, I own an older two-story home in the country. Over the years, lots of shingles on the roof have mostly blown off, and I've had a lot of leaks. My question is, is it worth it to try and repair the roof, or should I get an entirely new one? I think it comes down to how many shingles you're talking about here. If it's you know a shingle here and there, it's very easy to replace those and add some asphalt cement underneath the tab so it doesn't blow off again. If you've had a lot of shingle loss, and maybe it's mostly the tar paper that's keeping the rain out at this point, uh, in that case, then I think I would strip the entire roof, and I would re-roof the entire thing. I would not go on top of the old shingles, by the way. It's not going to be even if you do that, and it might shorten the life of, of the new roof. And the roof is really important. It's the one thing that keeps your structure intact, so you really got to take care of it. And you know what? You put a good roof on, and you're going to get 25, 30 years out of it, so you're not going to have to do this again for a long time. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. We hope it's a beautiful Labor Day weekend in your part of the country. That's where we are right now. And if you're thinking about some projects as it starts to cool off, we invite you to reach out to us during the week when the mood strikes and give us some details about those projects. Give us your questions. What are you trying to decide between whether it's the way it gets built, the decor, the colors, the mechanical side of it? We are here to help you as we move through the end of this year. Get those projects done right. Remember, you can reach us 24-7 at 1-888-MONEYPIT or post those questions anytime to moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Live in a money pit. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.